0: On this episode of the Launchpad Podcast, we've got a great show for y'all. We're going to talk about the new Rockets' assistant coach hires, a potential Scotty Barnes to Houston trade, and a little little predictions for the Summer League uh, in two days. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Houston,
1: Roger, we copy and we're standing by for your TV. They throw it up, oh, Jalen Reed. Humans can't
2: fly. Picked up that green who's back in. Place it, Hannibal. Back to Fred! Oh, we're for Thanksgiving. We've got plenty of yams to go around for everyone. Welcome in to the episode of the Launchpad Podcast, presented by Clutch the Control Room. As always, I'm your host, Don Knock. Uh, you can find me on Twitter wearing. My new Jabari Smith jersey. This is definitely not a, a John Wall uh, reskin. Um, yeah, you can find me there at Don Knock. You can find the pod at Clutch City CR. If you go in the description there, you can find the link tree that has the YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcast links. Uh, we want to thank everyone that left a comment. We're actually a little low on comments last time. So if you're watching YouTube, let us know what you think. I think personally that there are going to be a lot of people that have comments and things they want to, to say uh, in the YouTube section, this time we have a good show for y'all today. Some some hotly contested topics. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Paulo Alves. Paulo, tell the people where they can find your stuff. Y'all can find me on Twitter at Paulo Alves NBA. <clears throat> That's
0: P A U L O A L V E S N V A. Everything I do, from podcasts like this one
2: to the life on Twitter Spaces, will find itself linked on there. And as per our contractually agreed to bi-weekly appearance, uh, we have none other than Jackson Gatlin of Locked on Rockets. Jackson, tell the people where they can find your stuff.
1: Uh, you can track me down on Twitter at JT Gatlin. Of course, I host Locked on Rockets five days a week. I host Locked on NBA Mondays. I host State of the Rockets, uh, 17 million Rockets podcasts. And then here, I, I we haven't been, we haven't had a chance to catch up in a minute, guys. Like I'm usually here bi-weekly. We talk about whatever's going on with the Rockets and just schedule's been so crazy as of late with the
2: draft and everything else going on. But we've got a lot to talk about in today's show, huh? We do, we do, and we finally have some games that are coming up. We'll talk about those in the final segment. Um, we have some new coaches that are going to be helping out. Rockets head coach Stephen Silas. We'll be talking that about that shortly. Uh, and in the second segment, I think we're going to be talking about potential Scottie Barnes trades. Um, obviously, in the last episode, we mentioned Kevin Durant has asked out of Brooklyn, and that's you know shaking up the landscape of the NBA. So. In the second segment, we're gonna talk a little bit about you know potential trade that we heard about on the timeline earlier today. So let's start with the new coaches. Wait, wait, wait.
1: You, you know what my reaction was when we found out that Kevin Durant wanted out of Brooklyn? On,
2: hey, who's some fans? I am so happy. <laughs> <With the tradition laughs> I, I, the
1: haven't, I haven't even I haven't even used that on LOR yet. So you guys are wow. so welcome.
2: We got the maiden voyage of the soundboard. I don't know about you, Paulo, but I am For one, very flattered. I am big on production value, as many longtime listeners of of this podcast, I'm sure know. Um, But let's talk a little bit about the new coaching hires. So in addition to Steven Silas, we also got word that he'll be joined by Lionel Hollins, um, Coach Abdel Fattah, and Coach Batiste. So Jackson, you're the one that's going to be in the building with these coaches, uh, do you have any thoughts on these hires, and do you are you pleased with the way that the Rockets have rounded out Coach uh, Silas's coaching staff?
1: I absolutely love two of these three additions, and it's like juries out on on the third one with uh, Batiste. I, I'm really I'm really not sure uh, what he's going to bring to the table. But with Coach Mahmoud and with Lionel Hollins joining the fray. On the, you know, on the bench with Steven Silas. First off, with Lylan Hollins, I think he's going to come in and and hopefully be able to kind of create uh, a bit more of a, you know, defensive philosophy with this Rockets team, a defensive culture. Uh, you know, obviously the Rockets brought in a bunch of really exciting young talent that all has, you know, uh, you know are, are hypothetically all going to be pluses on the defensive end of the basketball floor. When you look at guys like Jabari, Tari, you know, the growth of the guys that are currently on the roster, all of that, but, it, you know, that's, even though they've shown flashes that as individual defenders, I think getting everybody to buy into a team concept and more of a culture and identity of a defense first mentality starts with the coaching staff and what they instill, you know, uh, you know, among the players. And I do think Lionel Hollins is going to be a guy who's got a track record for doing that, right? He was the head coach during the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies era. And that was one of the most, one of the most fun NBA teams to watch. And they were an absolute workhorse when it came to really grinding things out on the defensive end. Right. So Really excited to see what he can bring to the table. He was also an assistant coach with the LA Lakers when they won their Mickey Mouse ring in the Disney bubble. So say what you will about the Mickey Mouse ring. They were a top rated defense before the bubble happened. And, you know, Lylan Hollins, Lyla Hollins was a big part of that. And then Coach Mahmoud, this was a guy that as soon as the Rockets opened up some assistant coaching spots, everybody, myself included, but everybody was like pointing at Coach McMood, just saying like, he's going to be on the bench. Like, it makes no sense not to bring him up. He's done an incredible job with the RGV Vipers, and I'm happy to see him get a crack at it. Essentially, right, you kind of envision this like, Coach Abdel Fado will probably be the, like, offensive coordinator for the Rockets or, like, you know, the the lead offensive assistant. Lionel Hollins will kind of be quarterbacking the defense. And uh, John Lucas, Rick Higgins, and uh, Coach Batiste will probably still be kind of, you know, predominantly, like, player development, that kind of area of their focus, more or less. So I I absolutely love the hires. Um, I think it was uh, a slam dunk for this Rockets team. I was more excited about these hires than I was – Uh, previously when Steven Silas kind of filled out his coaching staff before with the names Will Weaver, Jeff Hornacek. Like, I loved Will Weaver. I was a little upset to see him go. I really thought he had a lot of potential, right? This was a guy that you know, had some head coaching offers out there and ultimately decided to join the Rockets as an assistant. So I thought he, you know, potentially might've also been like the head coach in waiting if things didn't necessarily play out the way they wanted to with Steven Silas. So to see Weaver go was kind of a, a, you know, a heavy blow, but I'm really excited about the addition of three of two of these three guys. Again, jury's still out on Batiste at this point. Yeah.
2: Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how Hollins does with the defense. I know he was in Memphis during the grit and grind era. Um, one of the big kind of hallmarks of that style of defense that they played was that they just fouled all the time to the point where it was like, these refs just can't call all these fouls. And, you know, I think that's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy, I guess, between the way that this team wants to run on offense, right? Because if you're fouling a ton and stopping the flow of the game, um, you know, this is a team that could be really good in transition. I mean, Tar Easton looks really good in transition on tape. Jalen Green is obviously very good in transition. Josh Christopher, Jabari Smith, Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, the, the list just keeps going on and on and on of these guys that you know can be great transition transition players. Um, so if you're playing this, you know, quote unquote grid and grind style defense where you're just hacking and fouling a lot, I, I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out, you know, in practice um with how much they want to get out in transition. But I will say you know, having guys like Tari Eason and and, um, and Jabari Smith to guard on the wings, where they're just really ball hawking long guys that like to just reach, you know, their their pterodactyl arms in there and, and rip the ball out and get in transition that way. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that style. Uh, meshes with the physical tools that those guys have, along with Josh Christopher, um, and, you know, I'll even say Kevin Porter Jr. You know, we, had, we saw games last year where Kevin Porter Jr., uh, you know, had multiple steals in a single game. So, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that play passing lanes um, on this team, and I want to see if this coaching staff can get these guys to, you know, defend with their feet some as well, and not just play in the passing lanes. Paulo, any thoughts on his coaching staff?
0: Yeah, first of all, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but right as you said um, the, the follow-up thing, I, I, I was about to say insert uh, Alperin Cheng joke here. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I, in general, I think that it's it's. I think I, I found it really valuable that Stephen Salas has kind of identified what he's not great at, and he went and got coaches that fill that void. Um, we know, or I think Fagan reported it that back back when the Rockets hired Anthony Stephen sauce was also one of the the finalists and and his uh assist or his main assistant at the time was meant to be if you if he were hired was meant to be uh coach I I'm, I'm missing his name the the Grizzlies coach
1: which Grizzlies coach
2: Lionel Hollins. Lionel Hollins. Not, there you go. Hollins. That's the, yeah. okay. how did I, I was like, Hollins. I was like, I was like,
1: I was like, wait, wait, Yeah, I know I, I didn't know how you forgot Hollins. So I was like, wait, which which Grizzlies coach are you referencing? And I got lost
2: for a second, then I realized, oh, uh, he's talking about Hollins. All right, yeah. I yeah. thought I thought it was you were talking about Taylor Jenkins for a second. I was like, No, no, no. What so, does Taylor uh, Jenkins have to do with the Rockets at, at this moment, other than you know, hopefully encouraging them to trade Jaw to us at some point?
0: Um, so Lionel Holland was supposed to be Stephen Sallis's assistant, and and I really like yeah. the fit because Stephen Sallis is known as this offensive guy that's really player friendly, and Lionel Holland is, is known as this really defensive focused guy, that is somewhat um, he's somewhat old school in the, both in the terms in how he approaches offense because one of his issues was the fact that he couldn't adapt to analytics. That's why he wasn't a head coach anymore. Then the other point is he is a really old school, like get in your face about it, type of head coach. He had problems with players back in Memphis and during the green and grand era, he was the one who, one of his problems was the fact that he ran guys into the ground. He played them 40 something minutes a game. And so all of his kind of flaws, are fixable by the fact that he is now an assistant coach rather than, than than a head coach. He won't be taking care of rotations. The head coach is more is ahead of him, so he won't be able to just do whatever to to players or have whatever relationships, right? And it's a nice contrast with Salas, who's so player friendly and he's who's a mastermind offensively. I think that's a perfect fit. Um, the coach that that came from uh, the uh, the washington wizards i was with the washington wizards last year and was fired that Cote Batist. i'm sorry i i struggle with the names because it's they're really different um he was fired from the wizards because he no he was suspended while he was with the, the wizards because he had a confrontation with a fan during a game which kind of hints at okay this is also not your your soft spoken you know really really <laughs> really you know, nice guy, which is, once again, contrasts perfectly with Steven Salas, and so I like that type of balance, and then Coach Abdel Fattah, uh this is the coach that everybody wanted to get brought up, so a lot of people want him to be the successor to Steven Salas in case Salas is either fired or not renewed, and so I wonder if there's sort of a little bit of he's being brought up, so they kind of they are acclimating, like they, they're getting him ready to potentially be a head coach, maybe not next year but down the line. The the Vipers are of course known for having great coaches over there, Nick Nurse. Um and I'm struggling with names today. The coach of the Timberwolves. wolves that Chris I'm forgetting. Chris Finch. Chris yeah. Finch. Perfect. Um and so if it makes sense that Coach Abdel Fattah is one of the most successful uh, Vipers coaches who just won the championship last year down down in the G League. It makes sense to bring him up, see what you've got there. Do you think this guy has potential to be head coach coach in the future? Um, And then the other thing that I like about him is all of our guards, when they went down to the G League, they were stars. They all looked really good, without exception. When KPJ was there, he looked amazing. When... uh, when josh christopher went down there for a couple of games this year he looked amazing right and then the season station Knicks for the majority of the league season he was averaging 27 and seven or something close to that shooting 40 percent from three and so we've seen this in play that's getting the best out of your guard out the rockets are, so, are have a, a franchise garden joe and green so it makes all the sense in the world from that perspective as well and so I wonder how much of this is, okay, let's take a look at him, see if he's ready. If he's not ready, let's get him ready. Um, I wonder if he, he feel he'll be a candidate in case they choose to move on from Salas uh, next year, which I'm not saying that they should. I'm just saying it's interesting kind of the timing of the hire.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, like you mentioned the pedigree of the Vipers coaches that have been in the NBA now and, you know, coach Abdel Fattah in that kind of lineage of, of great coaches. It, he did seem like someone that was liable to get picked off by another organization, you know, very quickly. And, you know, even now that he's, you know, on Steven Silas's coaching staff, if they retain Silas, you know, past this year, you know, there's no, nothing stopping another team from offering him some type of deal as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to have coach Abdel Fattah as well. Um, I think it'd been mentioned. um, He's like the first Palestinian head coach or assistant coach in the NBA, uh, I believe. So uh, very cool for him uh, to have that recognition. And yeah, uh, I think Batiste is the wild card here. We'll do some more digging into him, and um, you know, report back on that a little bit later. But I think that's gonna do it for. Well, actually, let me let me get one more point in here. I, I think. I just want to comment. Well, wow, Don. What on. if I What if I have one more point? What the hell? Do you man? have one more point?
1: I do. I mean, it's okay, nothing right. it's not. It's nothing major. It's just I, okay. I. I do like the fact that you know Paolo already. You know, highlighted this point. The reporting from Jonathan Fagan that uh, had Silas been the guy for the Rockets back in 2016, Lion, Lionel Hollins was on their radar to bring him in as the as you know more than likely probably at the time you know either his lead assistant or at least you know one of the top assistants to kind of help anchor the defense and i just love how that mirrors right what they wound up still doing with mike d'antoni and jeff bizdelic right is they brought in mike d'antoni a guy who was renowned for his offensive prowess you know a a coach who was going to absolutely have zero issues on that side of the basketball so what do you do you balance him out by bringing in another guy in jeff bizdelic to quarterback the defense to you know organize that side of the basketball and there was a lot of success in doing that so even though it's you know maybe a couple years too late here with Steven Silas in the sense that like he's already got a couple years under his belt and it would have maybe been nice to have Lionel Hollins around from the jump instead of you know two years into this I don't want to call an experiment but at the same time like maybe it's you know the Rockets knew that they were kind of headed for, you know, potentially a rebuild with the James Harden situation, you know, rearing its ugly head, and ultimately Harden kind of forcing a trade. So maybe that played a role in, you know, the names that they wanted to surround Stephen Silas with originally. But at the end of the day, I'm happy with the addition now, and I'm really curious to see how it all plays out. So,
0: yeah, and you just reminded me of another point. I wonder how much bringing Lionel Hollins in right now. Is a little bit of a of a you know a vote of confidence for Stephen Salas, right? Because this is clearly someone that Salas liked. So, with one year left in in Salas's uh, contract, I, I think it's interesting that they went and got a guy that he likes. And the other the other thing is this is also the guy, Lionel Hollins, that was the defensive coach for the Los, the Los Angeles Lakers in the bubble, right? I think you mentioned this earlier. And if we remember back then. They changed defensive schemes, I think, two times throughout that series. And that was really what threw the Rockets off. Because the Rockets won game one, I'm pretty sure. Or the-, the series was tied at-, at some point. And it really felt like there was a change in the way they were playing. At some point, after that, and the Rockets just never got close. Yeah, they, they, from- made,
1: they made really quality adjustments yeah. in that series to kind of give themselves... Uh, you know, a better advantage, specifically the scram switching. That they switch that they started do, utilizing by, you know, basically effectively playing small, right. They had played big that entire season and they decided to switch to playing small uh, against the Rockets because they knew that that was, that was where their advantage was. And they had guys scram switching on the perimeter, doing a great job to where the Rockets couldn't really take advantage of certain mismatches the way that they wanted to. And you probably have to point a lot of that credit to Lionel Hollins.
0: Exactly. And so I think, Back then, um, I was really unhappy and I, and I complained a lot about Mike, Mike D'Antoni because I was like, we're clearly getting out coached. And he was a big part of that. And that's one of the things that I value most um, on a team. I know we're still not close to playoff contention, but that ability to switch gears on the fly that the Lakers did was some of the most impressive coaching. I, I remember watching and, and clearly being able to sell, okay, we're clearly getting out here. Like, it's not just the players, it's their systems just absolutely countering us. It, it was we got to one and one, and then from there on out, we got some games that were close at some points, but it, it always felt like we were like we were punching upwards, and so it. I really valued that, and I think that that will be really interesting to see as this team develops. That our defensive philosophy might not be something in specific, but rather but rather them work on a different scheme than being able to implement them against different teams.
2: Perfect. So. We're gonna to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some fake trades that we came up with, that you know stem from the Durant news that we mentioned at the top of the show. So don't go anywhere; those will be very exciting when we come back. And continuing into our second segment here on the Launchpad Podcast, we're now gonna talk a little bit about some Scotty Barnes to the Rockets trades that you know people cooked up over the last couple of days while they've been you know anxiously waiting that Durant Woj bomb to finally hit. Or the Sham Wow, you know, whichever you prefer. Shams has been he had been in the lead for a little while. Woj had messed up around the draft, but I think Woj, uh, you know, put his foot back down uh, on Sham's neck a little bit during free agency. But all right, Paolo, we're gonna throw to you. You have the trades for us. Uh, give us the first mock trade.
0: And I, I didn't quite want to go about it as just a mock trade. I think the the interesting way to go about this is I'll I'll mention like general format. It can apply to different teams um and I think that the biggest discussion on Rocket Twitter is how much of the Brooklyn uh Mets picks are you willing to give up for a player like Scotty Barnes and so the concept is the Raptors are according to old kind of the front runner or or the leader in the clubhouse was what what he was called that what they were called um in the trade for Durant, right and when you look at the Raptors roster if you're trading for KD Right. You're trying to win now or within the next two, three years. Um, And so looking at that, a guy like Pascal Siakam and and, and Eugenio Novi are probably better suited to help you do that while still being really valuable and really young. Better suited to help you win with KD. It would be very much like a Kawhi Leonard situation where you just you pick the superstar that is going to be here for a limited amount of time. And you've got a really good supporting cast and you go and try and win a championship like that,
1: which on Um, that point, I just want to chime in very, very quickly. It's it just it'd be hilarious if the Raptors just become like a team that just acquires like mercenary superstars where they just bring them in for like a season or two to like win a title. And then like the superstar dips to go to the next location. Like, how funny would that be if that just becomes their recurring shtick? is just, all right, we're going to trade for this star. We're going to get two, you know, one or two seasons out of them and then sayonara off to your next location I just think that's hilarious I I
0: I don't think Raptor stands would mind that at all so um but yeah and so knowing that the logic the more logical trade package is one where they give up Scotty Barnes and salary filler be that I think it's Gary Trent Junior and uh I think uh Boucher this might not happen right now this might just happen uh sometime into the season where these guys can be traded again I think it's December 15th usually um And so it would be that's our filler plus Cody Barnes plus your James Harden trade package or a variation of it from the Raptors to the Nets for KD. And so what this gives to the Nets is an, a really interesting option because they are not getting win now players. Cody Barnes is a really good player, but he's not going to help you win now, especially not with Ben Simmons, who it would be really hard for the Nets to move for good value considering he hasn't played in a year and has all of the questions with him and the long contract and even the the fit issues that Ben Simmons brings to any team the fact that he can shoot etc and so knowing this I think the Nets would be very much interested in maybe rerouting Scotty Barnes to Houston in specific and Houston is in a really unique negotiating position where they own the Nets future and if they're sending Scotty Barnes to Houston Houston has the ability to give them their picks back and allow them to tank, right? Because the Nets right now, they all they, they say, clearly, we don't want to tank. We want to like, try and make the play-in, right? They're, they're going to try to make the best that they can do with the pieces that are left from the KD trade and the Kyrie Irving trade. And that's only because they don't have their picks, so there's no incentive to being bad because they're not going to gain anything from it. Um, and so because of this... The Rockets could intervene. Scotty Barnes has known relationships with Jalen Green and Josh Christopher. He is a very modern NBA type of player in the sense that he can defend multiple positions. He can play that connector role. He has some passing skills. He has—he He's really athletic. He's got the length. He's 6'9". 6'9", um, multi-positional defender, right? <laughs> Sounds great. He has some questions with his jump shot, although he did shoot 30% from three and 74% from the line. So there's reason for optimism there. And it's just a really high upside player with with a really high floor as well. Obviously, the, the Rookie of the Year of the last season, who fits really well with a team that, if, if you count not and Gill and Grinez, the two main core pieces, he fits perfectly with them. Brings the defense, brings some playmaking that's really lacking with those two, and those those two bring the spacing that, even if Scotty Barnes doesn't, develop, doesn't fully develop a jump shot, you could play them with Gill and in and Jabarian, they'll be able to provide the spacing, right? And so from this standpoint, I think the question becomes, if this is a scenario that's on the table and the Nets do want to remain flexible and in, in, in whether they tank or, or try to be good, how much of the Brooklyn package are you willing to give back to the Nets? The Nets, the, these, and the argument from the Rocket side is, these picks are as valuable are more valuable to the Nets than they would be to any other team in the league. And the other thing that the Nets bring that's unique is if the Rockets want to trade the swaps to any other team in the league, they need to trade their own side of the swap, which means even if the Rockets are the worst team, the other team, the team you're trading the pick to, keeps the pick anyways. You no longer have that pick. What you can do with the Nets is you can undo the swap, and so you no longer can swap the pick with the Nets, so they can tank that year and not risk the Rockets being better than them and taking their pick. <laughs> and so that's another really unique mechanism that you can do. And so, I don't know, y'all want to give how much you'd give up first, or y'all want, want me to say first what I would give up for a guy like
2: Scotty Barnes? Let's hear what you I, would give up first. I'm looking for something real quick, unless Jackson wants to go.
1: I mean, I, 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 love, I love this discussion because I love how unique this situation is because it's almost like there were there were some discussions that you know go I remember going into last year's draft surrounding the rockets pick and the potential swap to OKC and all of that i remember discussing a few scenarios in which the rockets would potentially be able to pay off OKC to remove the swap off of that pick, right? Because the Rockets looked like they were going to be the worst team in the NBA and losing that pick, you know, had it fallen to five and completely missing out on a top prospect would have hurt. So like these hypotheticals of what would you be willing to forfeit in order to like regain control of your own destiny? That's a really like fun position to be in when you're the team operating and negotiating from the, like the position with the leverage. And that's exactly where the Rockets find themselves in this position with the Brooklyn Nets. So For me, I think the argument kind of boils down to, right, you're going for a known quantity in what Scotty Barnes is right now. I mean, he's already won Rookie of the Year. He is a piece that can mesh with, you know, a variety of other stars on a roster. He can be, like you said, that kind of connective tissue piece to a team um, imagining him playing, you know, either the four or the five, maybe even, you know, hypothetically, he could play the three, like, situationally. I mean, he's got the defensive chops, I think, to do it, but, I, you know, four or five pretty much, right? But just a lot of positional versatility with him. And when you look at all the pros that he brings to the table, I, I don't know, I, you know, wor- worst-case scenario for the Rockets would be, like, you know, if the Brooklyn Nets decide they want to flip Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook, right, and let Russ just be the, you know, the guy who's going to raise the floor just high enough to where those picks are going to be like late lottery best kind of thing. Then, you know, suddenly the Rockets are in a, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're in a crappy position because they, you know, those picks aren't going to convey as top assets, right? They're not going to convey as top five, you know, top five, top three pick or whatever. You don't have Brooklyn net. You don't have the Brooklyn nets finishing with a bottom record, all that kind of stuff, depending on how they navigate this trade with KD. And so I think you're running the risk of, If you don't capitalize on the picks right now, you're running the risk of them not being worth their like, you know, maximum top dollar value if you try to hold out and just kind of see how the situation plays out with Brooklyn. Whereas if there was an asset on the table, a player on the table like Scotty Barnes, and you could say, give up, you know, two of those future picks or remove some of the swaps and give back one pick, you know, any, any variation permutation of that, right? I think you have to heavily consider doing it. And I think that some rocket fans have been like vehemently opposed to this idea. They're like, no, 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 hold on to the picks, right? Like, don't, don't trade the picks. Nobody's worth it. Just, you know, see what the picks turn into the picks could turn into nothing. Like they could just be mid tier first rounders and that would be really disappointing.
2: I, I think, I think for me, um, it's not that I'm opposed to using the picks and cashing in for someone, but I think one I think it's still a little bit early. Um it's not early in terms of when, you know, maybe the opportune time to use the picks, but I think cashing in for someone like Scotty Barnes with where we are in our cycle is just a little too young. Or I I know like I mentioned this on another pod we did, but like if you kind of look at it historically, um usually you're winning a title when you're like you know, triple A go to guy is like twenty-six to thirty-two. That's generally the range, right? And so, you know, Jalen is twenty-one right now. So, you know, if you go, I mean going all quote unquote all in on Barnes, um, you know, he could be part of your core growing up, but you know, you're gonna have those picks for the next five years. So Jalen's gonna get closer to or yeah, till twenty twenty-seven. Um, so you know, Jalen's gonna get closer and closer to his prime during that time and you know. Do you want to cash in for someone like a little bit younger than the core? Do you want to cash in for someone a little bit older than the core? I think that's, for me, that's where the worry is. Is like, Do you want to bank on literally basically everyone on your team other than Eric Gordon and Sean Tate are either 21 or 20? 20. I think it's just you're very much compressing, not the timeline, but just like the age range that your team is. So, yeah, they're going to grow up together. Um, and that worked in. Golden State, and I'm sure that's the example that's going to be thrown in my face here is, you know, Clay, Draymond, and Curry were all kind of, uh, you know, around the same age, around the same timeline a little bit. But, you know, Steph is a little bit older than Draymond. He's a couple of years older than Draymond. They're not exactly the same age. Um, and also, uh, they used their own picks to do that. They didn't, you know, move a lot of capital to do that. And then they were also, you know, very, very fortunate, unfortunately, that they were able to, you know, slide KD into that massive cap spike uh, that you know most likely will never be they happening won before again lot that though they <laughs> they did, but, win they, they, that they, did there, they, they won before that and i, I was wanna... a lot of injury luck in that title I just want to point that out sure, There's a lot sure, of injury sure. luck but, in that title like
1: the, the, I think You know, one of the first things you said, right, is is the idea of like cashing in on a guy and, you know, like Scotty Barnes and maybe it would be, you know, too soon to cash in. And I think that the distinction here needs to be like if the Rockets were going to cash in those picks on an established star, like right now, like a disgruntled star from somewhere from another organization who wants out a KD, if you will. Right. That would be too soon. Right. Like if you were going to trade back the Brooklyn Nets picks plus filler to try and bring KD into the situation. Realistically, how far is KD and a bunch of youngins going to go like Maybe playing it best. Like I'm sorry, it's it that so in that respect, I can I would absolutely be against the idea of cashing in the picks for an a, a star who's already either in their prime or a little past their prime, like KD, because you know you're not gonna you're not really gonna accomplish anything, and then you you truly do close your window. But the idea and, and why it's so tantalizing to me of the idea of being able to like guarantee that those assets convey into what 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 is reasonably going to be a star caliber player. In Scotty Barnes right now at this very moment, somebody who matches the timeline and who can grow and like coexist with all these other Rockets young players. And, you know, I won't say fits a need that they have on the roster, but again, the idea of rolling out a lineup that included Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Scotty Barnes, and Alperin Shingun. Like, what the hell? Like, that is... That's an absurd lineup. And so even if the Rockets had to give back, you know, maybe one or two, you know, one or two pieces of, you know, one or two young guys to kind of, you know, help the Brooklyn because maybe the Brooklyn Nets don't want an established player at that point. Maybe they want a KJ Martin or Atari Eason or a Ty Ty Washington, right? How much are you willing to give back in addition to some potential draft capital for a guy like Scotty Barnes? And I really do think that Scotty has shown enough that if he's the name that we're using in this hypothetical, that you feel very confident in giving back at least a couple first round picks at a, at a bare minimum for a guy like Scotty Barnes.
0: Yeah, and so the other thing to me is I, I've had this discussion in various group chats and in the spaces over the last few days, and and some of the concerns that that people bring up is, and to me the most valid argument against it is how high are you on Scotty Barnes? Because if you think he's going to be an All Star, and I do. And if you think his game is versatile enough and contributes to winning, which I do, then it's really much a no-brainer because rookie rookie of the year players in stacked drafts that are versatile defensively, that can contribute to winning in multiple forms, that are that are 20 years old, which is what Scotty Barnes is, they are not available on the trade market. This would be a once-in, like a once-in, what's the last time a guy like this was available, right? This is... This would be a unique situation where you can have your your young core grow together, and they fit really well off the top. And I mean, the would you that... would
2: you say would you say that that's not the case when Brandon Ingram was available?
0: No, because the the, the Pelicans didn't have a young core at the time, already established but a, the Lakers had, had a long core
2: that they're trading. I'm saying, you said when's the last time was a player that like this stature was available and I'm saying when Brandon Ingram got yeah, traded. Yeah, Ingram Hurricane. was the
1: last guy available but that situation, it, it's it's weirder. Yeah, I, wasn't, right? I wasn't
2: comparing but, the situations, yeah. I was mentioning a player yeah. of that caliber being available because you like, the way you framed that was like, this hasn't happened since you know, 1939 when we were playing no, no. in <laughs> dirt with Converse shoes and I was like, let's slow down here, you know, someone no. got traded of this kind of stature like a yeah. few years ago. But I
0: mean, it's not usual, like, those things usually don't happen. Yeah. And even Brendan Ingram was four years ago. So it's a really unique opportunity as a rebuilding team. Um, and then the other thing is people bring up, oh, the, you're going to have to pay these guys all at the same time. Let's imagine that, that, and this is, would be a, a, an awesome problem to have, that both Jalen and Jabari and uh, Scotty Barnes are max players in four years the rookie max is not the super max you can have so for example this year and 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 you'll argue that the cap rises the cap usually rises. the two cap always rises at the same rate as the the max max salary rises yeah
2: the max is a is a percentage of the
0: cap it's not a randomly generated number so this year this year if you were to sign those three guys to max extensions that they started this year you could have all three of them the the max would be 30 million in the first year you could have all three of them and you'd still have 60 million between those three and the tax fine which is what we assume tillman won't be won't be okay paying right 60 million is a lot to build a team around three stars like that's a lot of money and then that, that's one of the things that people brought up um and then personally I guess I'll start giving like concrete numbers I would be willing in a perfect world and some people think this is an overpay but I would give them I would undo the swap in 2027. I would give the pick in 2026 back, I would undo the swap in 2025 and I would give the 2024 pick back. And a lot of people think that they'd rather have the later, keep the later picks and give up the, the swap this year. But I counter, I counter that with, well, first of all, the Nets would want to tank, right? And if they're tanking, the swap this year is a lot more valuable to us than it is to them, because to them, they are get, we are going to be bad anyways. Right? And so they're going to get one end of the swap, either ours or theirs, if both teams are tanking. They are getting a really high pick regardless. It might not be Wemba Nyama or Scoot Henderson, but it will be Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively, one of the Thompson Twins. For us, why is it so important? Because you are doubling your Like, in the draft that has one top guy, you are doubling your chance at that top guy. Or at the top two guys. I think that's a clear distinction in tier. And so, if they and, and if the Nets are tanking, you would assume that they are tanking for three, four years, and then from there on, when 2026 and 2027 comes around, they're probably already on the rebound of their of their uh, of their rebuild. And so, those were would likely be mid lottery picks, anyways. <laughs> and so, and even for the Nets, it's a lot more val. And if you if your argument is, what if we kept 2023 and 2027, for example, for the Nets or or, or what if we kept instead of both, like instead of both extreme? What if we kept the middle ones in 2024 and 2025 for the Nets? A lot of the incentive is we want to be able to tank and rebuild uh, the proper way. Okay, That's why. So, the Nets- hold on.
2: Let me let me jump in right there. So when the Nets had to like torpedo their franchise last time, right, and they traded for all the guys from Boston and they brought those guys in. When those guys left. The Nets, you know, had given all their picks to Boston and they had to start over from scratch, right? Those guys, when they were aging out, had no trade value. They had no value where they could try to recoup any of the assets um, that they used to get those guys. When the Nets trade KD, they're going to get so much for KD because he's still in his absolute prime and he's still um on a four-year contract so i don't think it's analogous to what happened with the nets last time in where they just had to completely scorch earth it and you know basically give up and have no chance even though they had no picks i think this time around because like i think like the argument you just made is kind of factored in like you know they want to tank they want to rebuild it wouldn't surprise me if they don't want to tank and they don't want to rebuild. They want to, you know, get some star play, like young star type of player in. And the use argument pick is to bring the, some guys in because the, the argument is built.
1: But the the argument is built on the factor that if the Rockets are getting reinvolved in a trade with the the Brooklyn Nets, it would be because they want those picks back to then control their future, which would probably ipso facto mean that they want to tank, right? Like what but
2: what other?
0: Like well, even if he, they don't
2: want to, but tank if they them. have their picks back, then they can leverage those picks again, right? The fact that they have no picks currently is why oh. people think that they have to completely tank again once they have those picks back then they can use them to do other things with and they don't have to that's that's the weird thing to me
1: is because all all the arguments that i've heard around this entire situation is that the brooklyn nets need to be relevant because they have zero reason to tank currently because they don't own their picks and they also like and so that's the argument that i've heard whereas right now you're saying that they they like uh, yeah i I haven't heard the argument that you
2: posed if they get picks back in right then they can now do things with those picks that they currently have, right? Like that's that was that that was the point of which team was it? Um
1: but they can get those picks back in from anybody besides Houston is the thing, right? They can get they yes. can they can get a mountain of picks yes. from any organization out there that wants to mortgage the picks. The unique factor about the picks, if they come back, the Brooklyn Nets picks. From Houston back to Brooklyn is that then it would allow the Nets the opportunity to tank, which is why I think if a trade were to, you know, happen between the Rockets and Nets, you know, and a third team party in some capacity, it's with the intention that Brooklyn is planning on tanking this upcoming season, which is why in Palo's, you know, uh, hypothetical of the picks that he would give up, I would actually flip that and I would actually give them back the swap on this upcoming season. Because I feel like that is the pick that they're going to most want is they're going to want to bottom out immediately this season. If they trade back for the the picks from Houston, they're going to want to just say, "You know what? Hands up, screw it. We traded KD. We're going to suck for a little bit." They want full control of their pick this upcoming season. I know it'd be great to have that swap in place, but I don't I think that's going to be or that would be the deal breaker or the hang up on any potential Houston Brooklyn like returning of pick packages because they're going to want to immediately be able to pivot into okay, we're gonna suck for this season. Maybe we walk away with Scoot Henderson. Maybe we walked away with Wimbenyama. I mean, I don't know. And they won't have that opportunity if they don't have control of this upcoming pick. So I would give back that one and I would actually hold on to the 2026 pick. So I'd I'd knock out the right. three, I'd knock out the three swaps and I'd give them back 2024. And then I'd hold on to 2026. You're you're forgetting that that they
2: have uh, all-star Ben Simmons, who's going (laughs) to prevent them from being the worst team in the league. You're very, you're very
1: true. I apologize for the disrespect towards Ben Simmons, name.
0: And so the, I guess, I guess my, my, what I was trying to say is, yeah, if they, if, even if they tank this year, right. I wonder if they value the absolute top end, which is, so if we assume the Nets are the fifth worst team in the league and the Rockets are the fourth worst team in the league, um my, I guess my argument was that they would value the versatility of still having twenty twenty six in case the rebuild goes wrong, rather than the the difference between if the Rockets or them win win the lottery and the other team doesn't, then the Rockets would the one of the picks would be pick four and then the other pick would be pick one for example. My my argument was kind of I think they would value having back 2026 rather than the jump between one and four but even then i guess it's it's definitely debatable but to 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 the point um also hang on worth chiming
1: in here instead of also just like outright giving back all these swaps and picks and whatever they could just be amended is the other like there's so many different rabbit holes we could get down here right instead of just saying all right here take back all the pick swaps take back all the picks it could just be all right we're going to amend this pick swap to where it's top Top four protected, protected, top five protected, right? Like, you know, very variations of what the Rockets and Oklahoma city thunder did back during the Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul swap. So maybe that's something that, again, there are people who get paid much more money than any one of us put together who can haggle over, you know, what the specifics of this deal would ultimately look like. I just think that there's so much negotiating power here if you're the Houston Rockets, and this would be a sorely missed opportunity. If, I would be hard pressed to imagine that Rafael Stone isn't on the phone with Sean Marks going over what what the Rockets getting re-involved in a, as a third team facilitator in this deal would look like. And I'm sure that the Nets are kind of factoring that into their calculus as well, trying to figure out who they want to go for, because, again, it makes it really tough. The idea of if you do a one for one trade, except for the Toronto Raptors, where they could just give up Scotty Barnes and filler for KD. And oh, that's a one for one trade that works on both sides. Even then, if you're the Nets, it's kind of weird, right? Scotty, kind of duplicative with Ben Simmons. You know, then you got to find a home for Ben Simmons, all this stuff. Any other teams out there of the rumored teams to be interested in KD? Like, they would have to give up an, an established star player to make the trade palatable and then if you're Brooklyn you're still in the in the position of okay well great we got a lesser player for KD and now we're going to be stuck in you know NBA you know treadmill of mediocrity in the middle of the pack and that's no, that's where nobody wants to be no team wants let's, to be stuck there unless you're the king let's there. hold
2: let's hold this let's hold this thought real quick and let's go to break and we come back we'll okay. talk a little bit more about this uh and then we'll talk a little bit about summer summer, summer league predictions sorry uh so don't go anywhere. we'll be right back
0: and we're back uh, don, don you're, you you don't get to rejoin the, the the podcast i'm the host now i'm taking over the conversation is too good i'm i'm singling you out okay uh you're, you're not the host. <laughs> nah, i'm joking i'm joking guys um so getting back to the conversation because i think that was really interesting i think that's what the nets want i i think that the hard part about it is because they have Ben Simmons and he's a designated rookie extension player they can't get any young stars because they're all on max contracts signed uh, like signed um, after their rookie contracts and so they can't really it's it, there are really few teams that can actually get them um, that can actually get them a star and so i think the the beauty about the trade as well is besides them getting their picks back they would also probably get picks from Toronto. Uh, I don't think it's Scotty Barnes for for KD trade. I don't think it's a straight up trade. And so they would be very much in a really good position where they have Ben Simmons. If they wanna, they can play Ben Simmons re- and re-up his value as a as a rebuilding team. Uh, they have a lot of shooters, so they can be somewhat like they, they can sell tickets with Ben Simmons was a bunch of shooters was even if they're a bad team. And then they can flip all of these all of these role players at the deadline that they're going to give Max like big roles to. Um, they can develop Cam Thomas, for example, as well, and so in they're in a position where they, they're. They tanking, just signed
2: T.J. Warren, so let's uh, get to add that to the, the perfect, equation as well.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a perfect guy to let have the ball in in, your, in his hands a lot for the first three months, and then flip him to a contender because he's on a minimum contract and he's overplaying his value. Um, and so they're out now in a situation where they can tank. They're going to get a premium asset in a premium draft at the end of the year. They are upping the value on their current assets, and they have another team's future uh, in their hands, just like the Rockets have, and they would be in a really similar position to what the Rockets were a year or two ago. In the Eventually,
1: no no NBA team is going to own their own draft picks. Every team is <laughs> just going to own every other team's picks, and it's going to be the funniest thing. that So, <laughs> well, like, completely ran, no, complete, like, slightly random sidebar here. <laughs> like, my mom, who does not care about sports in the slightest, was like, has, has been like she like checks out the show occasionally she'll like ask me like so what's up with Jabari Smith and I'm like oh you're so sweet for like actually like you know humoring me she's like trying to learn how like draft picks work and stuff and like I'm explaining picks to her and she's just like looking at it like somebody's trying to explain like advanced calculus and I'm like I'm like I know it's really dumb like no team actually owns their own picks and like she'll be like wait so this team owns this pick how did they get this one and I'm like I'm trying to like boil it down as much as possible it's just hilarious well, back, to somebody who's not used in to 20,
2: it back in 2014 they tried their second rounder to this team and trade it to this like it's it's crazy when you have you look like the meme
0: from us it's
1: always sunny in philadelphia where you're like at the
0: conspiracy board and you're like ah (laughs) so so we have to move on to the summer league stuff so i think it would be cool to close with just rotate and give what you'd give up in this scotty barnes specific thing personally as i said i would give up 2027, 2026, 2025, and 2024. Two of these are swaps so I would undo the swap in two of them, and I would give straight up the picks in the other two. Uh, I could be pursued to uh, or persuaded to um, maybe some maybe change protections in some of these and give and, and give up the. I would also be willing to do what Jackson said in in undo the swap this year and um, be a normal team in the lottery and. And then give up 2024, 2025 swap, keep 2026 20, pick, and give up 2027 20, swap again. I would also be down for that. Um, but ultimately, the equivalent value of two picks and two swaps is basically what I would be willing to give up for, for someone like Scotty Barnes, because I think that's instantly one of the one of the best young in the league, and the Rockets are already pretty close to having the best young core. But I always think that would be the clear-cut best young core. They'll fit together great. The, the the defensive mentality of this team would be great uh, Scotty Barnes is another guy another great locker room guy and he's friends with Joan Green and Josh Christopher who are not too important players for this team there's a lot to like there it might be really expensive but I don't think ultimately we'll end up if we don't do the trade we will end up getting out of the Brooklyn picks as much value as what Scotty Barnes is worth
1: couldn't decide it better myself. That's pretty much where my head is at, and you already re-upped on what my trade version would have been. Again, I, I do think that that's going to be the deal breaker in, in this hypothetical scenario. Would be that 2023 swap. So yeah, I'd give up. I'd give up the two swaps and or three swaps, one pick, and I, I'd I'd want to hold on to one of the two like actual picks because I feel like the pick itself as far as trade value has some, you know, has a little bit more like intrinsic value than a swap does because then that becomes like another trade chip that you can use as an organization further down the line. And I think that's the trade off. There is if you're giving them the, you know, the olive branch of, all right, here's your pick back in 2023. We know this one's really important to you because you're going to suck right away. Like I feel like you could, they could acquiesce to the idea of, holding off on giving back that 2026 out pick outright. And then like you said, right, maybe floating in some protections or stuff, but I, you know, straight up three swaps, one pick back to Brooklyn for Scotty Barnes and putting them in control of their own future. That's a huge win. I, I think if you're Brooklyn,
2: I would not give them two Brooklyn picks back. I would maybe give them one pick undo two swaps. I would Okay, I would give them one swap back, one of their picks back. I would amend one swap, and I would give them the Milwaukee pick, and that's probably about as far as I would go.
1: Don coming out of left field with a completely unrelated pick to this entire package. You said, you know what? You can have Milwaukee's pick.
0: How's that?
2: Yeah, I don't, like, I don't care about that. You, you're going to take yeah, Milwaukee's was...
0: pick, and you're going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> so <well>, – so <sighs> Okay, this, is, this would be another tangent, but you're
1: so exasperated in this podcast, Paulo. Just so much, so much. Because uh, <sighs> like, like, why I'm don't really y'all excited. like
2: my Barnes trade? Why are you throwing out other Barnes trades? No, because like, really I worked exa- so hard on this. I really, I really like this kind of. Um, is there we have to do an overflow space after we're done recording the pod?
0: Is there any young in the league other than your obvious untradeables from a team that might trade for KD that you take for? A bigger packets from Brooklyn Dot.
2: Evan moley Is Jalen Brown an untradeable? No. I think four K. Probably you know. Jalen Brown. You would? Damn. Yeah. Okay. I really like Jalen Brown's game, even though uh we would have you know rather... the the non the non dribblers in uh Jalen Brown and Jabari Smith. I'd rather um, I just Hot think take. I just think he's very good.
0: I'll take. I would rather have I would more easily give up the packet for Scotty for Scotty Bars than I would for Jalen Brown. Same. Just cause just cause rookie, uh high ceiling and locked up under team control for a long time. Scotty, uh, Jalen Run is already on his on his extension. So there, there's think, not there's I, not
1: another there's, there's not another young player out there that's in like their like second or third year, like like re like really young player that I think matches the value for what you'd be willing to give back from, you know, by way of the Brooklyn picks. And again, cause then if you start getting into territory, like guys who are still relatively young, like Jalen Brown, but have, you know, have established themselves, whatever. Then you get into that territory of, okay, you're mixing the timelines a little bit too much. Right. Cause if you jump the gun and you like unload all that draft capital for a guy like Jalen Brown, then how long before right jalen brown's already getting paid big money so yeah. how long before you start running into the issue of the timing the luck of it all the money of it all and then in addition to that right just like then maybe jalen brown starts to fade a little bit before this young core really gets to the place where they're kind of all hitting their stride hitting their respective primes in five or six years from now yeah. so i wouldn't do it for an established player at this point i think at that point you're better off holding the value um and just retaining the brooklyn picks yeah. but again for a guy like scotty barnes oh i i do that in a hot second
0: yeah and so the, the last thing i'll touch on before we move on to the summer league is the thing about jalen brownie is he is another contract for next season and one more and so that's two years of team control he could walk there's, there's a lot of problems there and the other thing is the beauty of scotty Barnes is you don't gotta pay him until three years from now which means you still have not 70 but 60 million cap space next year so you retain all of the positives
2: yeah I mean, John Wall is coming off the books after this year. Like, we're gonna, I mean, that makes it difficult to, you know, use him in a KD trade uh, because we still have that wall money on the books right now. But, um, I, I think, and again, I get the value of, you know, bringing in Scotty Barnes. You have all these like high character guys that are young right now. But, like, if we move Eric Gordon, like, who's our vets? Like, we have no vet leadership on this team other than you got Bovan. Eric
0: Gordon still why are you moving well, well we
2: uh, reportedly philly wants to get eric gordon over there so let's say we move eric gordon to philly then like this team has literally no vets and like i get you can bring in some some you know guys to kind of control the locker room but like if you go back and look at that golden state team you know andre Iguodala was a huge part of that team and honestly like and admittedly like Jalen brown wouldn't be filling an andre igudala role at that point but like Andre Iguodala was a vet that was still pretty good when he went over there and he kind of took a lesser role. And like that was the guy who really, you know, him and Andrew Bogut really shepherded that you locker room that. to grow as a team. That's but... an argument
0: for us, though. You can do exactly that next year with 60 million in cap space. And if your problem is this year in specific, then if you do the Scotty Barnes trade, you keep a recording.
2: You don't got it. Do I think they're going to move it. I think they're going to no, move it according to nobody for him. But
0: yeah, but that's not knowing if I mean. you want to. You want to know that you want to
1: know the vet. You want to know the vets on the Warriors roster before they were actually good again. <laughs> back when they were 23, <laughs> David Lee in the 2011 and 2012 season. Here are the veteran presences on the Warriors wa- roster. Kwame Brown with 10 years of NBA experience related
2: to, to Jabari Smith. So hold on before Richard you. Richard uh, Jefferson,
1: 10 bloodline. years That's of NBA experience. Bet. That's a good bet. Mickey Moore. I don't Not even a know good who bet. that is. I don't even recognize Mickey Not Moore. Not a good bet. Uh, Nate Robinson, who at that point had six years of NBA experience monte ellis who was going on six years of experience and at the time steph curry was had two years of experience so again i think we're kind of overblowing the idea of the need for veteran presence on the roster until this team is ready to actually start competing again i think there's a fight there's like a a middle ground where, when you're a brand new rebuilding team, yeah, you want to have a couple of vets on the roster to teach the rookies how to be NBA yeah, I, players. I
2: still feel like we're at that point.
1: And then, but and then I'm saying so. I think there's a I think there's a slight dip though, where like. The rookies who were tra- who were taught up last season, right? Who got like the lessons and the know how from guys like Eg on the roster, or whatever. Those guys are going to be able to then impart that knowledge, you know, to the next crowd of guys, right? It's not like we're bringing in another. Like we are bringing in another batch of rookies. Yeah, but, we have three
2: new rookies, yeah. Scotty Barnes made the playoffs. But, but <laughs> my my point and my point is, I mean, you don't had, like they had other vets on that team. Scotty Barnes was not yeah, the the driving force and the leadership on that team.
0: It's just this year you got sixty million cap space to bring on however many vets you want next year and you can keep key for this year and still got new you know, but, you know, let's do Nuwaba like doesn't move me up. as a
2: vet. All right. Um, all right, let, quick, real quick. Let's just predict Josh Christopher and Jabari Smith points, rebounds and assists for summer league. Jackson, you can go first. <sighs> um, Jabari, I'm going to say, what did I say the other day? I said, I'm going to say 21 and eight. It's very, very convenient numbers that happens to be the inverse of my birthday. So I see you're pandering uh, to me right now.
1: I'll say 21 and eight and like, we'll say like, I'll say like two assists. Um, And I do, I think he's going to get like, I think he's going to average like four triples a night. Like I think he's going to get like four or five triples a game. It's going to be absurd. Um, Josh Christopher, I, I actually, I feel so weird trying to do a prediction for him because I don't know how much they're actually going to rely on him right like he obviously he's going to go out there he's going to ball out but I, I wonder if and i made this point the other day I, I think that maybe josh christopher might be viewed as like the eric gordon of this group right where he goes out there and he's there as kind of like a safety blanket you know for these other guys rather than being like a focal point of what they're trying to achieve because they're going to have Dacian nicks they're going to have ty Tai washington out there um you know kind of commanding the basketball steering the offense that kind of thing so i don't know I'll say Josh Christopher 25 and five if he's playing like full, if he's playing like full time minutes. Okay. Like full time starters level minutes. Yeah. 25 and five. No rebounds. (laughs) no. What's no what? What what? does what twenty? what is twenty-five and five mean? Oh, I thought you said. Oh, I thought you said
2: twenty-five. Oh no, and no, five. twenty-five and five. Okay, there we go. Two zero slash okay. five slash five. There you that go. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. All right, Paulo. I'm gonna go
0: for Jabari. He's gonna get a lot of, a lot of shots up. I think we got a lot of defensive uh, players and kind of little offensive players. So I'm gonna go twenty-four, no twenty-six. 26 and in, in, in 7. Uh seven rebounds, of course. Uh and I'll spice it up because I don't want to predict Josh Christopher. I'm gonna go with Tite Washington stat line. Uh in games he plays full minutes. The, He's going,
2: going off script again. What are you doing? Alright. Go ahead. I can let's do what I want. It. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: I'll go I'll go
2: 14, 3, and 5. Alright, well, since Paulo did a DNP C D on uh Josh Christopher there. Josh Christopher, who I, Josh Christopher, who I asked specifically for you to get a picture with, and this is how you repay me. You got
0: to play like one game. He's too good.
2: Okay. Anyway, so my predictions, I'm going to say Jabari Smith. I'm going to say 18, 7, and 3. Um, I'm going to say Josh Christopher, 22. I think Josh Christopher is going to do a lot, honestly. I think you, people are going to be mad he's doing too much. 22. Six and four. There we go. All right, people everyone. Everyone, mad. please speak people now. Get, if you ever hold your piece.
0: If people get mad because Josh Christopher is doing too much, and's twenty-one years old with two people mean? got mad. People will get Trevor mad. H- Trevor Hudgens
2: is gonna cook.
1: Trevor Hudgens is gonna okay. cook, especially in the last two in the last two, <laughs> the last two games. Once every once everybody gets shut down, I, I calling it right now. Trevor Hudgens is gonna have a thirty-point game. Calling okay. it right now. Trevor <laughs> well, Hudgens is this year's Armani I'm gonna Brooks gonna say in summer
2: league. I'm gonna say Aaron Gordon puts up ten points one one game. How about that? It's a, it's a wild it's a prop bet for y'all. Love that.
0: Wait,
2: wait. Uh, again, <laughs> bro, do you need to like do some yoga and relax. This man like, needs some
1: oxygen or something. Like God.
0: Something. Uh, Trevor, this is because I was setting up for a joke and I was kind of nervous. But someone said on the timeline that Trevor Hutchins is is, uh. Just off-brand um, Isaiah Thomas. The, the Celtics one. That's
1: rude. He's off-brand Chris
0: Clemens, hello. <laughs> Chris Clemens rocket spitan. I cannot I could never, there we could go. never disrespect Chris Clemens right. by comparing him to anybody else in the world.
2: Give us your Scotty Barnes trade packages. Give us your summer league predictions in the comments below. Uh, we don't have a clever uh, meme phrase for leaving a comment like Jackson does for Locked on Rocket so for now we're just going to have to request that y'all leave a comment um, yeah let us know what you think that's going to do it we, for us and
0: leave a comment if you love Jeremy Pena
2: also leave a uh, comment if you love Jeremy Pena that's fair um, that's going to do it for us uh, as always you can find me at Don Knock. you can find the pod at Clutch DCR if you go in the description there you can find the link tree with the YouTube Apple and Spotify links Paolo tell the people they can find your stuff
0: you can find all of my fake Scotty Barnes trades on Twitter at Paul Alves NBA. That's P U L O A L V E S NBA. Everything I do, from podcasts like this one to the live shows on Twitter Spaces, will find itself linked on there.
2: And Jacksons, other people where they can find your stuff
1: uh just at jt gatlin on twitter of course doing locked on rockets five days a week covering the houston rockets locked on nba mondays stay the rockets uh once usually once weekly depending on schedules and then uh of course bi-weekly here and all the other stuff we do for clutch city control room
2: perfect so until next time y'all be safe and go rockets